0: My guests this week are Gary Crosby and Janine Irons, a power couple in the world of British Jazz. Together they set up Tomorrow's Warriors and have spent the last 30 years nurturing thousands of musicians, never once charging a penny for their time or expertise.
1: We get this idea and we're trying to expand on it, but all the time we're having to entertain this format that keeps going round you're trying to find where you can stretch it expand it a bit make it prettier make it slower it's genius how they do it because it, I mean, they're
2: improvising it's like in all the, moment. the time yeah, you know it's in all the in the
1: moment you know when it works it's as mars Davis said it's the best thing you've ever done with you with your clothes on in some
0: circles gary is known as the godfather of british jazz but what made this double bassist and band leader take time away from his own career to mentor the artists of the future? And how did that decision influence the sounds we listen to today? I'm Ian Wright, from Something Else,
1: this is Everyday People. Uh, I got a gig with Courtney Pine back in the eighties, wow. the very first Courtney Pyne mm-hmm, gig. Mm-hmm. And somebody made me aware that it was one year I'd only been at home, I think, 40 or 50 days out of the whole year, out mm-hmm. of the 360-odd days. Touring? Touring, working, just around music. And a, a great friend um, called Ray Carlos, mm-hmm. who's a very important member of the music black community, kind of said to me, take the chance. And when he said take the chance, why, why did he say I that? up my job. I was an wow. engineer as well. I was wow. an electrical engineer. All of my generation wanted to learn a trade.
0: Yeah, but I think that when we was younger, we we had a lot of that. It was a case of, you know, get a trade. I remember there was one time where I was getting kind of pushed towards going in the army to get the trade. Yes, me too. I didn't take much notice until when I was like 18, 19, when I just adopted my, like, Sean and everything. And then you realise, Jesus Christ, I haven't got no trade. I haven't got anything. And then I literally had to start Mm -hmm. learning from there, you know, the trade, which was bricklaying and, and plastering.
1: Oh, you did that!
0: I done it for yeah, a bit. Yeah. I was very badly, gal. If I'm being totally
1: honest, because uh, I did electrical. <laughs> uh, did you do that? Yeah, house house bashing. We used to call it electrical yeah.
0: work. And so what? At that stage, so he said, "Take the chance," um, because these are the moments I love hearing about. Take the chance. When did you actually think yourself? Yeah, I'm going to do it. What gave you we, the confidence? We were down to in
1: Brixton. There um, was a jam session, mm. a, a regular session that I was the house basis. It was called the Atlantic Pub. Yeah. And um, you, you, you know, I'm not, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, Courtney was playing there one night, and I think newspaper people were there, lights were flashing, mm. and you know, all kinds of things. And that was a kind of like, all right, you know, okay. Re- Reyes said, go for it, let me do this now.
3: I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business.
2: Sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I
3: didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so
2: many more doors. The show is
3: called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. In the mid-'80s, Gary
0: made a name for himself as a founding member of the Jazz Warriors, a collective pioneering a new sound in British jazz. The music in the 80s, what was it about the music in the 80s? What made it exciting in the 80s? Because
1: nobody actually knew what we were doing.
0: <laughs> whereas now we know what we're doing, so... Um, yeah, but is that a good thing, Gary? Whereas nobody knew
1: what he was doing, so you you can literally do anything. Yeah, when you're a young person, you, you, you dream about what the future is. You don't know. Mm. And you're willing to take these risks to try and get to that dream. And each, in the 80s, because there was investment, you could dream and somebody would support you. Mm. And then what happens, you think, well, I'll go to the next level. Yeah. You're living the dream. Which is so exciting. And I say, to have a, a whole year and you've only been home 40 days, and the rest of those days were travelling the world. There was one time I, I lost my base. Oh, my gosh. It was in India. <laughs> I was in Sweden. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wait a minute. We're <laughs> talking about one. Of, we're talking about one of the
3: biggest yeah. instruments yeah, yeah. in a flight <laughs> case. How, how do you
1: lose <laughs> it? It got mixed up at an airport. I'm in a, in a different country, and uh... I'm, I'm really struggling to.
0: Your base is your world, so I'm saying you're going to watch that go and you're just say to hey, listen. Make sure that, like me, I said, make sure these. I football... will take the football boots with me.
1: Yeah, you can. You can say whatever Obviously, you want. you Can't want. put a bass in. Yeah, your, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can say whatever you want. But once the plane takes off you don't know what they've done, you know. The bass didn't get into the hold. So we got to Sweden or Sweden or somewhere like mm-hmm. that. And they said, your bass is in India. it would mm. take another couple of days to get back.
0: What was it like when you're actually on the stage doing your thing? What's that vibe? What's
1: that beautiful feeling? You're not just playing, you're actually competing with yourself. You have to explain that to me, How do you You're trying to get this music right. We get this idea and we're trying to expand on it. Mm. But all the time... We're having to entertain, so there's these three things that are happening: i.e., you're playing the instrument, yes. you're entertaining, mm-hmm. and at the same time in your brain, you're trying to work out uh, this format that keeps going round. You're trying to find where you can, wow, you know, stretch it, expand it a bit, make it prettier, make it slower. If it works, it's as Miles Davis said. It's the best thing you've ever done with you, with your clothes on. <laughs> Gary spent the best part
0: of the 80s touring the world and living out his dreams as a musician. But away from the road, something was missing. He went to Jamaica to take a pause and visit family, high up in the hills.
1: I went to St Thomas to see this wonderful farm. My family members had bought five brothers. Um, the farm was next to their uncle's farm right. so it's like 1500 acres of land right. now we're like yeah. in, in like a small country <laughs> mm-hmm. so what were you doing having a little kind of like what'd you like chatting and we were we went up in the mountains and we were beating they were beating some bongo drums up mm. there and my cousin looked at me and said so we had doing in England mm. yes I can imagine um, so I told him I was about to leave I'm um, going back to play at Ronnie mm. Scott's with Becky Musoleki an incredible jazz musician but this didn't mean nothing to him Gary's cousin wasn't impressed. He pressed
0: him with the same question over and over again. What are you doing back in England?
1: After this happened three or four times, you know, I looked at him and I just thought, you know, he's asking me a question. Yes, he yeah, is. Yeah, he's, he's getting deep. Because each time he would either be telling me what he was doing in his local area. and What was you know, he doing? What was he doing? He was an engineer. So he, he would help down at the local school. Mm-hmm at the local um, power plant. So he's doing a lot for his community, and that's what it was. As soon as I hit on that point, he knew he had got to me when I I looked at him one time, and he knew, without saying anything, I wasn't doing anything. I was just playing jazz music, having fun, down at Ronnie Scott's and all that. Whereas he was doing something, and that was the key. It was a
0: life-changing conversation. Up high in the mountains, Gary had an epiphany about his life and career. He realised he had more to give and that he wanted to help others find success. Back at home in England, he'd meet Janine, the woman who'd become his partner in business and in life. Janine, I've got to ask you about Tomorrow's Warriors and, and your part in that. Can you explain to us how it came about and why you felt you had to do that?
2: Well, when when I met Gary, um, he took me along to the jazz cafe and I saw a load of young black jazz musicians and I just thought they were brilliant. You know, I mean, I'd I'd never been um, in a place just so vibrant and it was exciting. Energetic, I can imagine. so I, my question was, well, how come I, we haven't heard about these people? You know, why don't we know about mm-hmm. them? Um, and you couldn't see them anywhere. So, I don't know, Gary and I kind of got together and got our, our heads together and thought about, well, how are we going to make the world know about these these young people? Um, but also... How are we going to create a platform for them so that they can develop their chops, that they can start getting access to all of the opportunities that everybody else in the music industry was was getting
0: hold of. So yeah. how were you how are you gonna do that? Because well, obviously no funding. We're talking about a time where everything to youth and anything to do with youth
1: was cut. Personal sacrifice. Yes. You know. Nights and nights without sleep. You left a job, you mm. know. We'd stack Is up that, on I flour. I used to work in the city. We stack up on flour. We and sardine. We we and, saw it as a military operation. Janine, you, you gave up your job? Yeah. To
0: to for tomorrow's warriors.
2: Yeah. yeah. So I at the time when I met Gary, I was working in the city and um I really hated my job. I hated the city. Mm. You know, I grew up um you know, I learned classical piano, right. I studied dance. Um, so th- that whole sort of creative, artistic bent mm. was always there. So working in the city where it was just about well, money, yeah, um, I felt starved, mm. <laughs> you know. So what when was it I'm like the-
0: taking the leap though, Janine? You actually
2: taking the leap. It, it was scary, to be honest, because... You know, my dad was saying to me, well, the first thing, when he found out I was with a jazz musician, oh. he was like, <laughs> oh, God, he was like, you saw what happened to Billy Holiday? <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know? Is, was he your, your Richard Pryor? The, <laughs> Richard it, Pryor? Yeah, you know,
2: yeah, yeah. So, um you know, man. It, it was only when um, there was a, a feature on Gary in The Guardian. Right. And I I showed my dad, I said, look, you know, he's all right, he's decent. You yes. know, he's in the feature on him in The yeah. Guardian. And then it was all right, you know, so... Um,
0: you took my leap.
2: Yeah, so, but I did, I saved up a, a year's worth of overhead, you know, so I could pay my mortgage mm. and everything else. Um, and then I packed in my job. But I, I did stock up on baked beans, sardines, flour, and, you know. Paper, stamps. Stuff, just editing. in case
0: um, I
2: didn't work again.
0: Janine left the corporate world to join Gary and his motley crew of musicians. Together, they set their sights on building the community and raising the profile of the talented artists in their network. How did you set up what you needed to set up? Did you have a place? to? to, Did you have a place? Our front room. So so it's your front room? Yeah. (laughs) And how did you create opportunities for people? It all centred around the jam session. Right.
1: Down at the Jazz Cafe. At the Jazz Cafe. Would it be good to explain what the jam session is? Please. So basically, I have a, a gig every Saturday and Sunday afternoon at the Jazz Cafe, there's a piano, there's a bass, and it's entirely up to me to provide entertainment for those people that were coming in that building. Right. So I would use that opportunity to bring in younger musicians to develop their skills. Mm. And that's what Janine came and
2: That's what saw I saw when I, because when I arrived. Because she okay. came and
1: saw, we were having great fun, there were dancers, there were people from all other aspects of the artistic world that were just hanging on Saturday afternoon, and we were having fun. And Janine saw we were having fun, and saw <laughs> stop <doing>. to <stop>, it. <laughs> stop, the fun. You have to put food fun table. Back in a moment.
3: I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here is in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment.
0: The community was growing and the talent was all there, but nobody really knew their names. What Gary and Janine needed was a plan to get these artists heard.
2: Once we had the the jam session, the next stage on from that was to get some gigs. We got a tiny little grant from the Arts Council, Mm -hmm. didn't we, for Gary's group, which is called New Troop, Mm -hmm. um, to record some kind of recording. The first album. And um, we just intended it, really, as a high-quality demo because in order to get the band touring, we needed some kind of marketing Ooh. tools. We needed to send something to the promoters. In those days, it was cassettes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we went into the studio, we did a recording. We just, you know, spent as much as we possibly could to get the best quality we could. Mm. Um, So we went to Livingston Studios, recorded there in Wood Green. Um, I took the pictures because I was doing photography at the time. And then, I mean, I had no experience in marketing or anything like that. But between us, I was the one who could probably write the best between the two of us.
0: (laughs) My
1: English skills are never...
2: (laughs) With input from Gary. but um, (laughs) And, you know, and I actually taught myself how to use... um, Layout software yeah. and you know Photoshop. And Was all you afraid? Of that. Was you scared? No, because I've I've I'm a bit nerdy that way. I can't, you know. You can I once I it. I need to do something. If I need to learn something, I'll I'll learn it. Right. You know, I do whatever I need to get to the next stage. And that's really been the history of, yes. of the company. What were the you obstacles? You know, um, well, Fun knowledge. Head. You know, we we didn't yeah. really know what we were doing. Um, so we're constantly having to learn on the job, mm-hmm. wasn't it? And, you know, obviously resources,
1: money and, you know. Um. I suppose there were um, barriers to get over. Yeah. But um, I realised that um, what my cousin was saying is that each one teach one. Yes. Which is language we used to use mm. as Rusters. And also um, it's your duty. It was your duty. Whatever skill you had, it was your duty to help others to pass it on because we needed it.
0: It wasn't long before they started seeing results. The bookings were trickling in. And with each new gig, an opportunity for these talented acts to be discovered by new audiences. But with no budget behind them, getting there meant getting creative.
2: Do you know, i have forgotten all about this. It's been so long. But... Every Saturday or every other Saturday, I'd meet them at Park Royal Station. I'd, drive them up to I'd be driving a splitter bus. <laughs> so in the week, mm. I'd be booking gigs. I'd be doing my Photoshop, you know, trying to create press packs and write press releases yeah. and all of that. And then come the Saturday, I'd pick up the bus around um, right. the corner drive it up to Park Royal and and wait for these teenagers who were inevitably late Mm. and then, and arguing, Uh, and then drive up the M1 or the M40 up to Birmingham Mm. or down the M4 to Bristol to take them to to do a jam session.
1: I think regardless of, of course, you know, a lot of work was put in, Mm. uh, a lot of support as well, but the real thing is that we loved doing it. We loved working together.
0: Gary and Janine continued their work, growing the jam sessions and promoting new acts. Then in 2009, they moved into a permanent home at the South Bank Centre. 18 years after starting out, they had a physical meeting space in one of London's best known arts venues. Here's saxophonist and composer, Nubayo Garcia.
3: When I joined Tomorrow's Warriors, I was quite um, shy and just like very much a person who would listen and watch rather than stand up and say something or, you know, I was quite, yeah, I was just really shy and not sure, you know, what I brought to music and all I knew is that I loved it and I loved playing music and listening to music and Tomorrow's Warriors was a place for me that became a real safe place for um, for me in terms of, you know, I walked into the room and I felt like I belonged there, like from the second that I walked in.
0: So Janine, when you, when you hear her say something like that, how does that make you feel because it's a safe place for them? They, they feel like they can learn and express and everything like that is—is is, Was that the vision?
2: We wanted it to be a place where um, particularly young black people would come in and immediately feel at home, that they belong, mm. that they have a place. And particularly at Southbank, that they have a right to be there. Mm. Um, because I know back in the day, we, the Southbank Centre used to be this big imposing building that didn't feel very welcoming. And, you know, I know uh, when... It's intimidating. Well, it it, was, definitely. And, and, you know, you sit, you know, the Royal Festival Hall, Mm. the Queen Elizabeth Hall, and, and, you know, depending on your background, you may not feel like like that's a place for you. So it was important for us to, you know, open out that space. Mm. We really wanted to just, you know, open the doors and say, come, you know, and they
0: did. Tomorrow's Warriors offered free tuition to any young person with a passion for music. They wanted to level the playing field and take away barriers based on wealth and class. Soon they had young people from all over London desperate to be involved.
2: Suddenly we're dealing with, you know, first of all, like 20s and 30s and wow. 40 you know, all these different uh, young people coming until eventually we had to start breaking up the groups because, you know, there was a huge age range, wasn't yeah. there? Um, and also different abilities as well, which was part of the success of it, actually having that mixed ability, everyone pushing each other along, you know.
0: At the South Bank, Gary and Janine focused on mentoring young talent. For Gary, this meant teaching and inviting the musicians he worked with on the road to deliver workshops. Tomorrow's Warriors became a space for young people to create, make mistakes, and grow as artists.
3: Gary has this really welcoming air about him like he's really supportive whilst also encouraging you and like pushing you to be better. When I was like auditioning for music college he was like okay we're gonna go we're just gonna shed scales. A few of us would go down and we'd just like run scales for an hour or something and then like run some tunes. And he would like he would he would do that and loads of other stuff like you know even just letting us have the room. You know, we'd just go and hang and play and the jam would just go for hours after the session. And, you know, security would come in and be like, okay, it's actually the building's closing. You have to go. And Gary was really, really, really amazing at giving us that space.
1: Gary, what do you enjoy most about teaching? I don't enjoy teaching. Why? I enjoy engaging with. Engaging?
0: So but when you give advice and you see some, they play something, and they come and they do something. What's that like? What's that feeling like?
1: If if I've given somebody an artistic um, advice and mm. they've done it, then I've thought you're hopeless because <laughs> <laughs> you know there's a lot better than me. Honey. No, no, um, it's 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 mm. when. I hear the youngsters or see the youngsters taking advice from the others that I've taught. That's the
2: each one teach one. Yes. Thing when i in action, yeah. that's when yeah. it's when that's it's
1: important right. to me because then I, I realize oh the process is working.
2: It is yeah. about trust. trusting and giving them oh, giving them some st- space. Mm-hmm. You know, of course young people are going to make mistakes because that's what young people do, but you know, that's how you learn stuff. And then I think just by giving free reign I think yeah. at Southbank, giving them agency, giving them ownership um, and letting them be responsible and, and be let, accountable
1: let them grow you know let yes. them grow you
2: know yeah. and that's what creates I suppose the leadership.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And they took their young proteges from the practice room to the stage, giving them the opportunity to perform in front of crowds with Gary right there beside them. Here's Mercury Prize-nominated drummer, Moses Boyd. I remember doing this show at the Royal Festival Hall, which I think was a Friday after college, and I was playing with some older musicians. And the music we were playing at the time was really hard, man. Like a lot of different time signature changes and odd structures. And I was struggling for it, you know, and I remember just looking over at Gary and he's smiling on bass. And at the time I was like, why is he smiling? Like, you know, can't he see me suffering? But I got through the gig, you know, it was a completely total train wreck. And he obviously knew I had the ability to do it. And he could also see like this was an important process to to go through this almost finishing school, live and direct in front of a couple hundred people, um, whether I failed or succeeded. When the gig was finished, I kind of understood, you know, oh wow, I made it for it, and I'm a much better musician as a result for it. The artists Gary and Janine nurtured over the years became breakout stars of British jazz in a scene that was finding new audiences around the world. Sounds made in South London were travelling internationally, and listeners were getting younger and more diverse jazz music was becoming cool again and the artists developed through tomorrow's warriors were some of the scene's brightest stars you know i wanted to ask jazz and the jazz revival how come it started to just get exciting it's because it of that? them seriously yeah. the it's, it's because seriously they've
2: made it exciting yeah, yeah. it's it's they've brought their energy they've brought all of the um they're bringing in all the stuff that from their own yeah, culture, it's in them. you yeah, know, own, yeah. all the things that have come, yeah. you know, from Africa, the Caribbean, yeah. all, all over the place, and, and, and the it to the music, and, and the street, the street. Yes. and the street. that's really, that's really, the, really that's the, the, the bit that's made because the, the
1: structures. The structures that they're using have always been there. Uh. There are these nightclubs down in Soho. There are these art centres that we're all been aware of for the last 50, 60 years. But you need, you need the content. What Janine has encouraged as people who can lead, that's the difference that she's brought to to our way of teaching. So if you look at all of the, the people that have come through the Tomorrow's Warriors, they're all leaders.
2: Here was the important thing. When we started Tomorrow's Warriors, I mean, we, we talk about a lot when it used to be sort of um, male, pale and stale, is, is the phrase, mm. you know. And... There was a reason for that, because the the uh, promoters, the club, the venues, a lot of them were run in those ways. And so if you can't see yourself reflected in a space, mm. then you're not going to feel welcome. And I think that's one of the things that we really... Set our hearts on changing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you change the people you see on the stage, mm, the you're saying yeah. Yeah. you'll change the people who were off the stage mm-hmm. as well. And so you know, and that's effectively what we've done, I
0: suppose. Yeah. Can you remember the first time you saw your students playing at the highest level? I'm talking about thinking about when you first started, then you're sitting there, they're ready to come out and they're on their playing at the highest level and they're doing it.
2: Do you know, there was a moment when um, it was our second edition of Warriors and that was Mm J-Life. And our first tour was to India and Nepal. Mm. So we had like a three-week tour. And I remember driving through the streets of Mumbai. We were in the minibus. And suddenly we saw this huge like the biggest billboard i've ever seen you know and it had their pictures on it and it was one of my photographs actually so it was so i was really pretty it was like Double wow mommy. that's huge you know so straight out of sort of jazz cafe and the mac in birmingham or whatever suddenly they're playing to 5000 people who were just in sort of total adulation mm. seeing these youngsters on the stage these huge stages just five of them and they were just holding the stage they're holding court i think my my sense of just absolute pride mm. you know seeing them go from the jam session to you know an international stage
1: us, wow. it's like watching kids become adults they become adults you're, you're seeing the first steps where they're Actually, next year, they won't need me. Ooh. I can, I'm confident now.
0: Have you got, um, so when you've seen somebody go, when you're watching and you're watching them, you're thinking, my gosh, he's amazing.
1: Yeah, last week. Who was it? Um, Hamish Moore. He was a bass player. You know, I had a, um, an accident, so I need somebody to support me. So I, I've asked Hamish to, to do a couple songs for me. And we get to the rehearsal. It's just me and him, and I get in the room and... He's learnt all the songs. Mm. Um, he's got this wonderful instrument, and then he starts to play, and I'm like, I don't want to play oh, with this with this so-called student. He looks up to me. I, you know, there's a couple of times I says, "Stop using my name, right? You, <laughs> Why? <laughs> you are independent. You're the best. One of the best there is. You don't need my name." And I, I listened to it, and I just thought. I'm not that good. I was never that good. I've helped him. You know, there was a time when I possibly I was ahead of him. But at this present moment, I can't match that. And I'm proud of that, actually. I'm actually proud because um, I know exactly what my my path has been and where maybe I haven't been, you know, I'm 65. Mm -hmm. And for the last 30 years, if I was really honest, I ain't be practising like these youngsters, you know. This guy turns up, everything's learnt, and then even the stuff that I said to him, could you could just listen to some of the stuff that I'm supposed to play mm. just in case on the day I can't play mm. But just listen, you don't have to learn the stuff. And he plays it better than me. I am self-deprecating. Deprecating. Deprecating. I, I know this now. But, <laughs>
3: yeah. I've, I've
1: realised this. I, I, well, this is how... People like yourselves perceive it. I like to be honest. I'm fully aware that um, some of my students have reached levels that I'm. Not, I ain't gonna get there now, you know, and I'm glad of that. It's a
2: testament to what what tomorrow's warriors has done. The fact that they they're getting better, younger. Yes. You know, and yes. just opening out those those opportunities, yeah. the pathways where. You know, a lot of the kids now are going through to conservatoire or going into tertiary education, music yes, education, yeah, yeah. and whereas that wasn't happening so much yeah. before, so now we're seeing, you know, so many of them. Fast are, development. Yeah, it's it,
0: much faster it, development. You know what we're going to do? We're going to listen to a few more clips. Is there more? Absolutely, my are friend.
1: Are you paying so, these people or? Well,
0: what? you know, they well, need, you need to get the props, bro. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Ian Wright. This is Giles Peterson. The thing about Gary and Janine, what they've been doing with Tomorrow's Warriors has been, of course, critical. They are the reason that we have got such a world-class generation of musicians coming through and, you know, they've done it from their heart, from their soul, you know, in a humble way and without much support from, you know, the normal sources and they deserve and need more so yeah be proud of Tomorrow's Warriors Gary and Janine and their whole team at Tomorrow's Warriors are just incredible what they've done so, Jobs. yeah we all, we all owe you a lot thank you oh, big oh, up
3: Gary and Janine thank oh. you for everything and continued thank yous I have so many more to give you because oh, yes, you haven't yeah. stopped ever and I really value that. I really value being a part of this community. Um, Thank you's not enough, do you know what I mean? But I just, I want to say I appreciate them so much.
0: Yo, what's up Ian? This is Femi Collioso. I am the band leader of the Ezra Collective. I also play the drums for the Gorillas and Georgia Smith. Without someone like Gary Crosby, a lot of the dreams that I've managed to achieve through music just wouldn't have happened. I love the phrase, if you can't see it, you can't be it. And that's what Gary is for me. I saw someone that looked like me, that carried himself in a way that I really respected, that was so, so generous with his time and with his resources to seeing the next generation grow. And that's what I'm trying to be like. So thank you so much for the inspiration. I love you, pups. You know, Janine, oh, you, you isn't just, he just... lovely? You know, the thing is, Janine, oh. is that when you gave up what you've given up, what you've been through on this journey up to this point, obviously, you know, it's it's quite emotional for you, but how does that make you feel to hear what you and Gary have done over the years while giving these people the opportunities that they've had?
2: Oh, God. It just makes me want to blubber <laughs> <laughs> I love them all. I seriously love them so, so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. They never cease to make us proud I mean it's almost on a daily basis where we see you know their achievements mm. um, because they act as the, the beacons for the ones coming after yeah. them and and we see that you know w- with our current crop of warriors where they're talking about these young people as their heroes
0: you know there's a lot of people who probably don't know anything about mm. tomorrow's warriors what you've done Gary what, you're, what you've done what you've given up to 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 back it Um, and you know I can only say thanks for coming on you know it's a real it's a privilege and honor to be be amongst you and what you've done and you listen to those people and what you've done for them you I can't I can't say how proud you must be feeling of yourselves because you should be and I just hope it just goes on from strip to strip head to our show notes to find out more about tomorrow's Warriors and the work they do in the community Next time on Everyday People, the accidental environmentalist paddling against pollution.
2: It was quite foggy and just seeing this huge cargo ship coming towards me out of the distance whilst I was in the shipping lane. Um, And I just remember the the, uh, captain on the support boat just saying to me very calmly, but very firmly, Lizzie, you need to paddle now very hard for 10 minutes. It was about three miles away from me and it looked humongous.
0: If you like what you've heard so far and think you've got an amazing story to tell, I'd love to hear from you. Get in touch at everydaypeopleatsomethingelse.com. That's somethingelse.com without the G. Everyday People is a Something Else production hosted by me, Ian Wright, produced by Jade Scott. Our assistant producer is Grace Laker. Our executive producer is Ollie Wilson. Sound and mix engineer is Josh Gibbs. With thanks to Jesse Howard, Paul Smith, Joe Sykes, Chris Skinner, and Steve Ackerman.